podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. I am Ryan Scott. It is another glorious day. It is another wonderful day to dream big. I'll be honest, I've been geeking out about this episode for quite a while. Um, When I spoke to our next guest, I don't know, gosh, it was maybe a month ago or so. Um, Actually, I was talking to her in a rural king parking lot um, in my in my car. And I I'll be honest, I'm really excited about this episode for a couple of reasons. Number one. After that initial conversation of ours, I could tell this was just going to be a lot of fun. Um, You know, a a great podcast guest, number one, um, likes to talk as much as I do. And I know this young lady does. Um, Number two, a good podcast um, guest is very funny and has a story to tell. And this young lady has all of the above. Um, But lastly, the reason, and I think the biggest reason I am really geeked out about this is as a girl dad, um, one of my biggest hopes and dreams for my four daughters is that one day they will land in the career of their dreams. Um, You know, one thing I want them to do is to, you know, change the world. And this young lady is literally um, doing things out of this world. Um, so without further ado, I want to introduce you to my good friend, Dr. Morgan Cable. Now, just listen to this repertoire as I read it, because literally, um, I think if you would add all of the intelligence of all of my prior um, episode guests, I don't know if, if all, of that, all of that would touch um, Morgan's um, obvious um, intelligence. So here we go. She is the Ocean Worlds Program Scientist, Astrobiology and Ocean Worlds Group Supervisor of Planetary Science Section at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Wow. Dr. Morgan Cable, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Hi, Ryan. I'm super stoked to be here. Boy, that was quite an intro. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Listen, um, I, I don't, did I get, did I get all that stuff right about you? I think at least you got a couple of the, the roles right. I would say that uh, nothing I do, I do by myself. It's all part of a team. And I'm really fortunate to be able to work with some incredible scientists and engineers uh, to dare mighty things and to be searching for life and interesting chemistry out in the solar system and beyond. Man, that's so cool. That's so cool. And I've got to tell you, um, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know, like chemistry was the only class that I ever changed. Um, did not do super hot in chemistry. So I actually changed it to physics in high school. So, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I only have like a semester's worth of chemistry background. Um, but I have watched a lot of Star Trek. That's okay. I won't hold that against you. Chemistry (laughs) does seem to be a pretty polarizing class. People either love it or they hate it. And, uh, my, my dad was a chemist and maybe that's partly why I fell in love with it. But to me, that's the, the language through which I could understand my world and the universe, right? Like to me, physics, physics is great. 
But by the time you get down into the details of physics, it can be really tough to design an experiment, right? Because the, you know, think about things like black holes and what happens when atoms combine, and that can be kind of hazardous to try yourself in the lab. And so that just seems like, like a little bit challenging to me. And then on the other end of the spectrum, biology is great, but it's really tough to design an experiment where you can figure out the outcome. Because by the time you're talking biology, molecules are so complex, you know, things can happen for so many different reasons, it can be tough to trace it back. But for chemistry, now we're talking, okay, atoms click together, they form molecules. I get that, I can test that, I can understand that. And so to me, that was just uh, something that I wanted, a passion I wanted to pursue. And I grew up next to uh, Kennedy Space Center in Florida. I grew up oh, in cool. a little town called Titusville. And so rockets were just going off in my backyard as a kid. And I thought that was like a normal thing. Of course it's not. And I realized how tremendously lucky I was, but I think that just inspired me to combine those two loves of like chemistry with uh, what we can do with chemistry in space. And so that's, that's where I ended up. Man, that's so cool. That, and it's so awesome. And, and, you know, I alluded to it a little bit early, you know, I do have four daughters and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but, but I'm going to tell you, it is so cool. Um, to know that eventually one day, one of my, one of my girls could possibly be working for NASA and we're all uh, four, you know, we're all four. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. So, um, we are just going to go ahead and jump into it with the first section. Um, the first segment that I call two for two, and, um, it is a way to model to all of my listeners, my sincere belief that everything has to start with the connection first. Um, you know, at the, you know, we talked about this. Um, I remember in our initial, you know, even at the subatomic level, relationships are a thing. You know, the relationships between electrons and protons and neutrons and stuff. So, so really, um, at the macro level um, and in the classroom, um, I often talk to our teachers and our educators that you know, there's no reason to jump into that content until you know your students. So, I want to know you a little bit better, and um, you may or may not want to know me a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to jump in and I'm going to let you answer a couple questions and then you will ask me. Sounds good. Uh, sounds good. All right. First one, if you could witness any event, past, present, or future, what would it be? I could witness any event. Um. Okay, maybe this is going to be too true to my my uh, field of study, but the moon landing. I would have loved to have been able to watch that live. Uh, the first time a human set foot on another world. That would have Absolutely. Been Absolutely. And you know, at that time, and what I love about that time of history is that, you know, President Kennedy came on board and he's like, we're going to throw all of our resources on this crazy idea like literally crazy idea that we are going to put somebody on the moon, which had never been done before. And that so radically changed education. Um, and it, it changed the way we delivered science. Uh, you know, it just changed everything. And if you look at the technologies that came out of that space race, um, yeah, I, th I think that would be cool. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've, I've asked relatives grandma and grandpa and you know they remember that day with just absolute uh clarity yeah clarity and almost like 
like going into church and like experiencing this like aha moment like it was yeah it was, you know it was a, it was a defining moment um and one i yeah i i agree i would love to see that yeah everyone remembers where they were and the thing i love about it is you never hear when they did it it's always when we did it mm. even people you know from around the world that this was a very civilization sort of human moment it wasn't exclusively limited to one particular country one culture anything like that it transcended all of those things and i just love that i think that's very that's a very profound statement but i would agree it really showed our humanity didn't it yeah okay number two what do you miss most about being a kid oh Man. Slap bracelet. You know, I don't climb trees as much as I used to. Oh, I could. And I missed that. Okay. And running around barefoot and only having to come home when our mom would go outside and she'd ring a really loud bell for dinner time because we'd be out somewhere in the neighborhood running and playing with the other neighborhood kids. That was a signal to come home. But not really paying too close attention to the time and just knowing I needed to listen for that dinner bell and that was it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. And that's a very yeah. good one. I'll tell you, um, what I miss the most about being a kid is the naive, being naive. You know, like not understanding the, maybe the, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. And to a, to an extent, I, I can understand. And, you know, I, sometimes I understand why people, you know, ostrich, ostrich head themselves um, and not pay attention to what's going on in the world because it can be really stressful and um, you know not to get political but you know the last four years it would have been really easy for me to do that um, so you know I, I think that's probably what I would miss the most about being a kid yeah I hear what you're saying it's a really stressful time but I I used to watch uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood as a kid growing up and there was something that someone posted during some bad moments um, that's happened in, in the recent history. And they said, well, remember what Mr. Rogers said? He said, whenever you see bad things happen, look for the helpers. That's right. There will always be people helping that are, are the good side of humanity. And so you just have to focus, I think, on that. And, yeah. you know, this recent Mars landing is a, another good example of us. Man, we just, we all just really needed a win. And the yeah. fact that that works perfectly and is, is again one of these defining moments that like transcends uh, culture and and boundaries and borders and all those things and so I try to focus on the positive things like that especially when uh, the world seems a little bit uh, dark these days yeah yeah you know I am a dad and um, I do there are quite a few dadisms and I like to tell my girls usually I tell them daily to uh, feed the positive dog you know, that old adage about the, um, there's two dogs that live inside of you, a positive or a negative dog, you know, which one grows the biggest, well, it's the one you feed. Um, yeah. They get tired of me saying it, but um, yeah, you're right. There's always something positive. So what questions, my friend, would you like to ask of me? Okay. If you had a spaceship and you could go anywhere in the blink of an eye in this solar system or beyond where would you go and why? Anywhere. So I'll be honest, I would like to go to the very edge of the known universe. Ooh. 
So, you know, I think it's, was it Einstein that said, or you'll probably know this, but the, un, the universe is expanding at a, you know, there's a, there's a quantifiable rate. So I would love to get to that edge and see what is on the other edge um, of where it's expanding into. Yeah, I, I think about these things a lot and it kind of boggles your mind. I mean, there are these theories about, well, you know, if the universe is really infinite, then that means that statistically there's another Ryan talking to another Morgan sure. somewhere else that maybe that other Ryan, you know, has, has a purple hat on instead of, instead of a, a tan one like you have on now or something like that. But it's that history could sort of be repeating itself just in our same universe if you go far enough away. And that just blows my yeah. mind. Yeah. And that's not even touching on the multiverse theory that there could be other universes separate from our own. You know, I'll be honest. I would just like to meet the Ryan that is over six foot tall. Oh, why? <laughs> why? The height doesn't really matter. You know? No, you're right. You're right. I'm five foot two, and I consider my my husband calls me concentrated. Is what he says. There you go. And you know what? I, I'm more comfortable on airplanes, right? I got a little bit of extra room. That's right. I would be cheaper to launch into space as an astronaut. So think about the positives, Ryan. Focus Listen, on the good things. My bad. <laughs> my bad. All right, sis. What What's your next question? Oh, Boy, okay. Um, what do you think will happen if we discover alien life in in your lifetime? What hey. do you think it'll mean? Well, number one, I think that blows up um, a large majority of humanity's. I don't know how the right way to say this. Like, will it will it make us question? our spirituality, make us question um, our religious beliefs? Will it make us question ourselves? Um, maybe, hopefully, um, it will make us question this manif you know, manifest destiny. It seems like that humanity has of themselves. Um, I, I hope it would humble us. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully it would make us make some really needed changes within our world that was a really good answer hey thank you a plus i haven't had an a plus in a while i appreciate that all and right you get a scratch and sniff sticker oh, on top of that even better remember even, those no i do when i was in my when i was in a classroom i was a firm 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 believer in sticker charts um if for nothing else it really um growth mindset you know, um, I'm a big believer and a big proponent of the psychology being a much, 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 much bigger of the bigger part of a child's success in the classroom than the content. Um, there's so much of the psychology behind teaching and learning um, that sometimes I don't think we we focus on enough. Just like something as simple as a as a sticker chart um, can really motivate kids, especially when you throw in competition. Yep. All right. So uh, what do you think? You ready to get a little deeper? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So you kind of alluded to this in the very beginning. Um, normally on all of my shows, when I have somebody from the edges sphere on here, I ask them what led them into teaching. Um, obviously you are not in that same space, 
So I would like to know what got you interested in science? Oh boy. Well, like I mentioned, uh, my dad was a chemist. And so I certainly was um, encouraged to pursue any career I wanted, but I could see how much he loved that. And he was actually a teacher. He was a, a college professor. Oh, cool. Um, at least until I was born. So I'm a triplet. And um, you, it's really tough to raise three kids on a, a teacher's salary, especially if we were growing up in a very rural area in northern Mississippi. And so he got a job working for Kennedy Space Center. Uh, and so we moved to Florida. And, uh, and then I had the rockets going off in my backyard. And one thing I did as a kid uh, was science projects. And I encouraged you know, anyone who's interested in pursuing science, uh, whether you're a kid or you're a parent who has kids, it's a great way for you to realize as a young, um, as a young scientist or a young investigator that you can ask a question and then design an experiment to figure out the answer to that question. That's right. And some of these experiments can be things that no one has done before. And so when I was, I did them when I was very young in elementary school and they were, you know, simpler then. But by the time I got to middle school, I was able to ask a question, uh, a simple version of it, but is there life on Mars? And in doing so, this was sort of at the infancy of the internet. Um, and that kind of dates me, I'm sure. But I emailed. Still dial up. Yeah, it was with the AOL. Like oh, that yeah. Sound that we oh, all, yeah. yeah. And I emailed this scientist named Ken Edgen. He was a professor in Arizona at the time, uh, but he was working on this Mars Pathfinder mission, which was the first rover that we sent to Mars. And I was just this nobody eighth grader. Not only did he write me back, but we started up an email correspondence. He ended up shipping me a giant box of a special kind of volcanic rock they have in Arizona called basalt. He was like, this is very close to what's on Mars. You should use this for your experiment. Wow. And, and I did. I was able to, uh, over with my dad's help, uh, was able to show that certain bacteria could grow off of this special reaction between basalts, the volcanic rock, and liquid water. It makes hydrogen. And there are certain kinds of bacteria that can live on this to survive. And so that just, I was totally in love with planetary science at that point, but it gets better. So Ken Edgett, the scientist, because he worked on the Pathfinder mission, when it launched in 1997, he flew out to Florida and he made a special stop. He came and visited me at my middle school. Oh my. Just to say hi. While this big important scientist is out here for a launch of his Mars rover, he came over to my middle school and that, um, I'm still in touch with him today, actually. Uh, you know, now we're colleagues, we're, we're fellow scientists, but the fact that he took time for a middle school student to inspire them. It's, I think that's the reason I became a planetary scientist and I tried every opportunity to do the same thing. Actually, Ryan, about an hour ago, I was on a, a Zoom call with a seven, seven-year-old, excuse me, who she's also interested in science. And so we meet every couple of weeks. So hi, Natalie, if you're listening to this. Um, and we talk about science because it's so important that just that one interaction with one scientist or one engineer can be enough to set you on that path. Uh, to pursue oh. it for a career. So I literally have goosebumps right now because um, Lord Almighty, you have just proven that relationships are at the center of just about everything. Like, so I, I, I'm thinking now how your life could have dr drastically been different if this guy had not reached out to you. 
and had not mentored you and had not, that is so stinking cool. Um, and I've got to, I've got to tell you, there's a little girl that hopefully will be listening as well. Her name is Charlie. Um, and I think Charlie is either, I think she's a second grader now. Um, I first met her when I was an elementary principal and she was the little girl in kindergarten that every, that liked to dress as a scientist and nice. yes. And her mother is a uh, gifted and talented teacher at a, at a neighboring district now. And the other day, Charlie decided to rearrange the periodic table because yeah, she just, she just told her mom it didn't make sense and she wanted to rearrange it a different way. Um, and one of her biggest dreams is to be an astronaut, I believe, or do something with science. Nice. So I am pretty sure that Charlie will listen to this episode. Um, so if you don't mind, can you tell Charlie hi for me? Oh, hi, Charlie. So Charlie, let me tell you something. It is so important to seek out and find mentors when you are pursuing your path to become an astronaut or a scientist or an engineer or whatever you want to do. And some people may answer your email or answer your phone call and, and agree to be mentors. Sometimes you have to go seek out your own, right? And so be persistent, don't give up. And you will find people who love to question things like you do, who love to rearrange the periodic table like you do. And those are the people that, that are your people. And I hope that you'll be able to pursue a career with, with like-minded people that will challenge you like I've been lucky enough to do. Thank you, Morgan. That was awesome. I appreciate that. And that's not just to Charlie, that's to anyone who's thinking about pursuing a career. Don't let other people tell you you can't. You prove to them that you can. That's exactly right. Man, that's great. So <sighs> I'm ready. Let's talk about what problem you see um, that your idea hopes to kind of solve? Oh boy. Uh, well, my problems are usually questions that I try to design experiments or help as part of a team to design a mission to solve. And so for me, one of those big questions is one I kind of asked you about already, yeah. Ryan, is, is there life out there? Is there life somewhere else that's different from the life here that evolved differently, that it came from a separate origin? Or are we horribly, terrifyingly alone in this vast, vast universe? And so I'm part of a couple of different teams designing experiments uh, at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory and other places to try to answer that question. Very, very cool. You have uh, literally one of the coolest jobs in the world. I know, it's so great, <laughs> I'm so, so lucky. That's so awesome. Okay, so now let's get into this. You know, the name of this whole game is the Big Ed Idea Podcast. And so um, the stated purpose of this podcast is to connect the vision of one with the passions of another. Um, Simon Sinek kind of says it really, really well. He says, not everybody has to have the visions. Um, sometimes it just takes one person's vision to inspire another person's passions. Um, so what I like to do is bring people in that kind of have a big idea um, that is somewhere in the education realm. And, and whether that's um, changing the world of education or changing the world through um, education. So um, let's talk about, okay, you have the idea. What is the problem that your idea kind of hopes to solve? Well, 
Well, the problem that this could solve, you touched on it a little bit, is uh, these asking these kinds of questions, things that we call civilization level science, bring us all together across the world, you know, from the, the man, humankind's earliest, um, you know, times of, of becoming intelligent beings, we looked up to the stars, we, we saw gods and, and other beings in the constellations, they inspired us, they helped us navigate, they helped us learn more about the world around us. And so in, in crafting these big questions and trying to figure out the answers, we bring civilization and humanity together. We remind us of the things that we have in common, even when we still have a lot of tremendous differences throughout the world. And so that's why I like this kind of idea of searching for other life and um, asking the question, are we alone? Very cool. Okay, so how are we going to solve that problem? Well, we're solving it in a bunch of ways. And it's ways where everyone can get involved even today, right? A study, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, is an organization where uh, people can log in and help use their computers, their computing power, to uh, analyze a lot of data that we're collecting with our telescopes when we survey the universe around us, looking for uh, signals buried in, in that data. Uh, as well, you can become a scientist or an engineer or an educator or something like that and help us answer these questions directly by visiting these places. So we can observe them with telescopes here on Earth, or we can build spacecraft that go to these places. And the Perseverance rover that just recently landed on Mars is a great example. I'm also working on a few other missions that are going to go even further out. Oh, wow. So cool. Mars is one of our near neighbors in the inner solar system. But there are places now that we've discovered in the outer solar system, moons around Jupiter and Saturn, and potentially even further out, that have liquid water. In fact, they have all three ingredients that at least Earth life as we know it needs to survive. Those three ingredients are water, organic molecules, so building blocks to make stuff, and energy. So, so water, organic molecules, and energy. And anytime you find those three things together, you find life every single time. And now we're finding these worlds like Jupiter's moon Europa or Saturn's moon Enceladus that have all these ingredients. And so we are designing spacecraft to go and explore those environments and determine if they have the conditions for life and if indeed life is there. Very, very cool. Very cool. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit about STEM and um, our girls out there that might be listening. Um, you know, as a girl dad, um, and I do know that uh, women are particularly underrepresented in the sciences, um, in the math and the science and that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be on, I'm going to, I want to, I want to pick your brain. Why first do you think that that is a problem? Well, I think it's a problem because anytime you don't have a diverse team and it doesn't matter what axis that is, whether it's, it's gender, whether it's, you know, ethnic diversity, anything like that, you're not bringing to bear the full creativity of, of humanity, right? People who come from different backgrounds than you do will approach a problem differently. And sometimes that can be the difference between landing a rover safely on an alien world or creating a new crater, right? I mean, sure. the only way that we've been able to land these 
larger rovers that are the size of a car on Mars is because someone was creative enough to come up with this wild and wacky idea called a sky crane, which you must have seen the videos. If you haven't, go to you know uh, mars.nasa.gov, I believe is the website, or just Google NASA Mars, and you'll be able to find these amazing videos. It's dangling this very expensive, very intricate rover from you know just a couple of wires off of this thing that's like a jetpack, and somehow that managed to work. And it's these wild and crazy ideas. I mean, I'm part of a team now called Dragonfly that we're building an eight-bladed rotorcraft that's the same size as those Mars rovers, except instead of wheels, it's got skis. And to move around, it uses these eight helicopter blades to fly. I mean, who would have pictured that we could build something like this and stick it on another world? That is so and cool. The, and the PI, the principal investigator of that mission, her name's Elizabeth Turtle. She goes by Zibby Turtle. She's a woman. Uh, one of her key uh, deputies is a woman, uh, leads of a, a couple of the instruments and other subsystems are women. And, you know, the, these diverse teams are the reason we're able to come up with these crazy ideas and then bring them into reality and make them work. Very cool. So why do you think it, why do you think that there aren't, not that there aren't as many, but why are there not as many women, maybe as men in the sciences? That is a really tough question. And there are political or, uh, you know, socio-political scientists who study this sort of thing, yeah. um, who look at the demographics, uh, look at it through all sorts of different, um, you know, if it's, is it correlated to age? Is it correlated to location? Is it correlated to socioeconomic status? All of these things. And it's a hard problem. Uh, we do seem to, to that, that gender, imbalance seems to get worse as you progress further in, in your education. For example, uh, the gender ratio seems to be okay in math and sciences and bachelors, but then as you move to say masters and PhD degrees, or then once you have your PhD moving in and becoming a scientist or then a leader in your field, uh, that, that gender imbalance starts to appear. Uh, and so it's something that we're actively working on. NASA in particular, I think they're doing a great job supporting early career scientists. Like, well, I, I think I'm officially no longer early career. That's usually defined as within 10 years of your PhD. So again, I'm dating myself, but, um, but they're encouraging you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're uh, adding experts in diversity, equity, and inclusion to all sorts of um, science planning, mission teams, things like that, to help us really understand this problem and try to fix it. Because the more diverse your teams are, the better they do, and the more inspired the next generation is, because they see someone that looks like them. That's right. That they can identify with and be like, oh, hey, if they are an engineer, I could do that too. That's right. That's right. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you then, I've got this, you know, I've got this little girl, her name is Charlie. And we've, we've talked about that a little bit. What can our, and you know, this is, maybe this is your opinion, or maybe you actually know finite answers on this, but what can our, what can our school systems do to um, help alleviate that issue? You know, like what can we do to get more of our girls into the sciences? Well, I, I talked about mentorship. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to have access 
to resources that allow you to do a science project, for example, um, that may require in some cases, you know, purchase of chemicals or access to a lab or, or things like that to design and do an experiment. Uh, some students may not have access to that. So having programs where you can support those things. I would have loved to have learned uh, robotics or yeah. coding when yeah. I was in middle school or high school or even elementary school these days there are some programs yes there are and so getting those more widely available and accessible uh, i think uh, nowadays there's a lot less of a stigma with a girl wanting to learn how to code or build a robot than there used to be and so let's continue to encourage that that these are things that transcend genders and no matter what gender you identify with you should be able to pursue whatever career you want that's exactly right that is exactly right. Wow. Um, never would have thought that I would have never, ever would have thought that I would be talking to you um, about the sciences and the moons of, of Jupiter and Saturn. And I'm going to tell you what, life is good. I don't know, you know, you, I don't know about you, but some days I wake up and I'm just like, damn, how did I get so blessed? Um, so thank you. I feel Aaron. really lucky too. And I feel really lucky to talk to people like you, Ryan. You're on the front lines of education. That's <laughs> that's where the inspiration starts. You know, if you have a really tough job and I admire every single educator and the, the hours they put in, the, the inspiration, being able to connect with students and help them find their passion. Because that's really where it all starts. So my, my hat is off to you, even though I'm not wearing one right now and you are. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, okay, so today we have talked about uh, kind of your background. We've talked about, you know, where you came from. Uh, we talked about what interested you to get you into the sciences. We've talked a little bit about girls and STEM. Uh, you've given us some tips on, you know, how we can hopefully in increase the number of young ladies um, that are, you know, changing the world and, um literally looking outside of the world. Um, so before we leave, however, and before we close us down, close up shop, so to speak, I want you to be able to give some of your contact information to all of my listeners out there in case anybody would like to connect with you. Um, in particular, if I have, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be open to this, but if there was a young lady out there who was, you know, uber interested in science and likes to perform experiments and likes to just see what happens, I bet you would be open to connecting with them. I would love that. And so I think the easiest way might be uh, through Twitter. I'm at stars are calling because the stars are calling and we must go. So send me a, a direct message and I would be happy to connect with you. Um, I have to apologize that at some, sometimes I receive more emails in a day than I can answer in a day, uh, but I will write you back. Uh, like I said, that's so important to me that a scientist took time for me when I was a student. And so I try really hard to, to give that back and pay it forward. So if you have a question, if you're, even if it's something that's not necessarily science, I have lots of engineering friends and colleagues who love to mentor and talk to students, and I would be more than happy to connect you with them. Um, so please reach out, 
let me know, send me a message, and I will put you in touch with a person who could mentor you, whatever your field is. And that includes, I should say, not just science and engineering, but at NASA, we have science writers. So if you're a writer and you, you would like to see what kind of careers you can pursue, you could work for NASA as a science writer or a web developer. We even have resident artists who help us design some of these amazing graphics and images that you can see whenever we uh, talk about our missions or some of the science that we do. So there is a, are a whole host of different careers that you can do. We even have space lawyers, like that's a thing. So um, shoot me a message and I can put you in touch with any one of those and I'd be more than happy to. So I'm at stars are calling, all one word. Morgan, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. This is Thank such you. a pleasure. Uh, I really, I've enjoyed it so much. And to all the girls out there, to Charlie, to Natalie, to anyone who's inspired or looking, looking up at the stars at night and wondering what's out there. There are so many careers you can pursue. The sky is not the limit. It turns out you can go way <laughs> further than that. That's right. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. So um, in closing, um, I guess it was around 30 years ago um, I had the privilege of attending a space camp. Um, it was about a, it was a weekend space camp down in Alabama. Um, I remember it very, very, very vividly. Um, a good friend of mine signed up for it and on a whim asked me if I wanted to go like two days prior. And I went down and I remember very vividly doing that and walking the grounds um, and there was no way that I would have ever imagined that 30 years later, I would have the absolute honor of literally talking to somebody who is changing, not just our world, but literally like changing worlds, period. Um, you know what, Ryan, I went to that same space camp right in Huntsville, on. Alabama. Yeah. I think I was a couple of years after you, but it was so fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to go, it's any of those kind of opportunities are, are really neat to open up your eyes to what a career in NASA can be like. Um, but there are lots of different opportunities to do that. So I encourage all your listeners to, to get involved with NASA. There are all sorts of you know internships and things you can do if you're thinking about pursuing a career. Uh, so check those out for sure. But that's neat, Ryan, that you got inspired at such a young age. I definitely echo that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So to my listeners, in closing, I'm going to leave you with another quote about dreaming. Don't call it a dream. Call it a plan. Until next time, I will see you on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion 
And together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>